0: Hello and welcome to Talking Home Renovations with the House Maven. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I'm a registered architect. I am putting together this podcast as a library of information about elements having to do of the renovation process. So today we are talking about roofing. I understand that roofing may not be the most exciting topic of conversation. So I'm imagining that the only people listening to this podcast will be people who actually do have to um, think a little bit about what type of roof to choose for their renovation of their house. So it's also, I just also want to say that it's pretty specific to where I work and live, which is the Northeast. So anyway, I do hope that at least this gives you some idea of your options. I hope you consider a green roof. If you have a flat roof anywhere, that would be if you do that, please write to me and tell me about it because I, I just think it's just such an awesome idea, but I can't even convince my, my neighbors to do it. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this podcast. It, Walter Russell of Home Sweet Home Builders is back today to help us out with the roofing question. Welcome back, Walter Russell. So this is, this is uh, Walter, who was on our first episode. Thanks for coming back.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having us back. Um, uh, Walter Russell representing Home HomeSuite Home Builders. And you can find us online at HSHBLLC on either Instagram or Facebook.
0: Great. Yeah. And you're general contractors. And uh, but today we're going to be talking about one of your specialties, which is roofing. Awesome. All right. So. So what I'm really going to try to get at in this podcast is trying to figure out as a homeowner what they need to know about their roofing choices and so they can start thinking about that ahead of time. Um, So because as far as I know, usually people just uh, match the roofing that they already have on their house. And so they don't give it really that much thought. But if they're going to re-roof the whole thing or if it's a new house, but we're mostly talking about remodeling, um, are there other options they should be thinking about? So, I mean, generally, what would you say people should consider when they're ready to choose a new roof, like from scratch?
1: Right. So, yeah, just to touch on, you know, what what the trends have been and what you mentioned there is people tend to stick with what's comfortable with, especially in regards to roofing. So the first thing you do when you think you need a new roof is you step outside, you look at your roof, you turn around, you look at your neighbor's roofs, you kind of compare the two. You see maybe one of the neighbors that you know got a new roof over the last couple of years. You look at his roof, her roof, and you see what condition that is. Um, but what ends up happening there is you get a homogeneous effect of the shingle material across neighborhoods. So at this point, ninety nine percent of every roof that we install is a architectural asphalt shingle, right? Uh, and that's just the most common shingle used. It's the most cost-effective roofing material at this point. Um, and when people step outside the door and they look around, that's what they're going to see on the majority of their neighbors' roofs. And um, you know, this is locally speaking, but this is also kind of regionally speaking too. so uh, we're in the Boston, Massachusetts area. Um, so I, I, I believe this trend is something that you see in most um, you know, mid-level homes in the United States.
0: So are there even other options? And as you say, you're right that there there seem to be people listening all over the place to this. So I don't know how helpful this will be outside of our region, but here it just seems like asphalt shingles are just everywhere. People don't want to be different from their neighbors, but a lot of people do ask me about metal roofs because they think those are pretty, um, they seem durable and different and kind of cool, but it's really expensive to have them installed here. So
1: yeah so the the options that we see being investigated now are uh, designer shingles, so some shingles that have a little bit more uh, depth or design to them uh, still in the asphalt range. Uh, but then when you go to a different types of material like uh, metal, slate, wood, composite, uh, the metal has been something that's kind of come from the snow country and worked its way down uh, due to its benefits of keeping ice dams out of your house uh, and managing the high and low temperature differences that you see in those uh, places where asphalt shingles could traditionally become very brittle um, and uh, uh, deteriorate very quickly over extreme heat and cold cycles. Uh, And that's something that we see very common in New England. The cost of the metal roofing around this area is three times uh, what you're paying for your asphalt. Roof. So if we use an example of like a 20 square or 2,000 square foot roofing area, uh, which is pretty common on a home that's about 25 or 2,000 square feet, 2,500 square feet, um, you'd be looking at a $10,000 asphalt strip and replacement where a metal would be closer to 30,000.
0: Is that just because of the labor?
1: It's a, mostly the material costs. Hmm in the labor costs are very similar. So um, you're paying more for the material and you're paying more for the labor because it's more uh, specialized. Yeah. um, And it takes a little bit longer to do.
0: Yeah. Well, Okay. I just I still don't get why they'd be all over the place up in Vermont, where it doesn't look like the buildings they're on are really all that expensive. You know, the barns and other outbuildings and things.
1: Right. Right now, whether the cost is three times as much in that area as well, um, further north of Boston, traditionally the labor costs are a little less expensive the further out of the city you go. Right, um, but you could definitely expect it to be in that neighborhood, and they're seeing the benefits of uh, the the snow and the ice deteriorating and grabbing onto the granules of the roof and then sliding off. That's not happening on these metal roofs. Right. Um, Another benefit to the metal roofs is it can be, you know, one hundred percent recycled. So at the end of its lifespan of you know fifty to sixty years, it can be removed, recycled, and reused in another fashion. Whereas an asphalt roof gets re- it, they do get recycled, but it's uh, the percentage of material that gets recycled and reused is much less.
0: So when you strip a roof, do you actually recycle that material? An asphalt roof.
1: Yes. So. What we'll do is the uh, company that removes the debris will take that to the recycling plant and anything with asphalt and metal in it, they will uh, take as recycling and anything with wood in it kicks it to a different type of category. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's about half the price to dispose of when you're recycling it, as opposed to bring it to a traditional landfill.
0: So is that something that people, if they wanted to have their roof recycled, should they mention that to their roofing contractor? Or is that something that...
1: That would be something that that particular contractor would already have built into his system. Okay. Um, most, most contractors, uh, what they'll do is just have a dumpster company drop a dumpster. They'll take the trash to a traditional landfill and it's, you know, nobody's uh, problem from there. Um, mm. no. But if you have a company that works directly with removing their own uh, debris... Uh, a lot of times, you'll see these guys recycling it because it's less expensive, and they can bring this this material to a place where it can get reused. Um, so it helps their bottom line, helps them spread their margins a little bit, and it helps them feel good about what they're doing.
0: Yeah, that seems like a win win. Definitely. Um, okay. This this is a. I'm just thinking about this rubber shingle looking roof product that I saw. Recently, I think I talked to you about it. Probably, yeah. Six, was that the
1: way like recycled tires?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I don't have any more information. I kind of dropped the ball on investigating that. But I really, I feel like that would be that's something I definitely want to look into. And I think it looks like it's supposed to look like slate.
1: Which yes. Is so yeah, there are some composite slate materials on the market these days because slate is a very cost prohibitive thing to install. Yeah, um, it lasts a, forever. It does. It does. And, and it needs attention forever as well. So, um, you know, we still need those specialists to maintain the slate roofs that we have. But if you're trying to install something that looks like slate, the composite materials are almost identical these days. And their thermal properties and their weight are a lot different than what's, you know, those original slates um, entail. So what
0: what companies do that composite slate-like
1: roofing Certain CertainTeed I believe has a product that mimics the uh, slate.
0: Oh, huh. CertainTeed. So basically CertainTeed also has those shingles that have some kind of reflecting grains in them that seem to keep the heat away from the roof.
1: Is that... Yes, that's a uh, solar reflective uh, shingle line.
0: Okay, and do they, have you seen an, an increase in request for that? Over regular asphalt shingles, or do people just not know that there are different
1: I think, qualities? I think you're right that people just don't know about the product as much. Um, yeah. So it takes you know contractors like us to just educate the client on what's available. And most of the time, contractors are just providing what they've always provided—a level of um, you know here's the most cost-effective shingle we offer. Here's the the higher lineup and you know here are your options in pricing whereas strategy to cool your home uh, or ventilation a lot of these conversations don't happen at the same time of the sale Um, but these solar reflective shingles are really cool because uh, they allow the uh, infrared radiation to reflect off the surface that's what the solar reflectivity is uh, referring to Uh, and that infrared radiation is responsible for a lot of heat transfer onto your roof and into your attic. Um, so when we talk about temperature balance and ventilation and uninsulated attic space, uh, we're trying to keep that space as, as as much of the same temperature as the outside, as constant to the outside as it is on the inside. So uh, by having the proper uh, ventilation in place, and having the right shingles on top of the roof preventing heat build up as well, uh, you're achieving all these things at a, at a high efficiency.
0: Right. Yeah. And then if you're living in the attic, if you have rooms in the attic, wouldn't that also be to your benefit to have the heat reflected off the,
1: so you're not absolutely cooling just, the space. Just to have that heat not enter the building envelope in both regards would be a benefit. So whether it was, a space that was trying to be ventilated, or if it was a space that was finished and you had you had insulation tied up against the um, sheathing, or a uh, some type of a um, baffle vent underneath that to direct a a ventilation system uh, if need be. Uh, but in both cases, yes, to keep the heat away from that and keep it from affecting that air or that space is going to have benefits in your heating and cooling uh, bills and efficiencies overall.
0: You told me a long time ago that um, that these these types of shingles are a little bit more expensive than the regular line, but that you said there, I think it was silver birch, you said, that was still the standard price or yes. whatever you would call it.
1: So Certain Seed has a solar reflective shingle line where every color in that line uh, is... Uh, it has that solar reflectivity rating. Um, there's one shingle in their regular line. So if you're trying, if you're being sold a standard roof and you want to take advantage of this um, this benefit, you would look for the silver birch color in your landmark line at Certainteed, hmm. and that's the only color within that line, whether it's the regular, pro, or premium line that has the solar reflectivity rating on it. It's a very light colored roof. Um, So if your preference isn't to have a very light colored roof, you would then move on to that other line called the solar reflective shingle line at CertainTeed. And um, those colors are more in a palette across the board as as opposed to being just that single one silver birch color.
0: You know, once I tell my clients to start looking around at other roofs, like colors, when they ask about colors or, or <clears throat> you know, styles of roofs, they're just really amazed at how different they all are, really. I mean, they might be similar materials, but there are all different colors, and you might not have ever noticed that your neighbor has a green roof or a red roof.
1: Yeah, you know, it's kind of, a lot of it's the kind of color funny. choices are, I would say, more uh, palette-based than performance-based. So people are looking at the their roof as an extension of their paint job. Yeah. Right. And but it can be so it, much more. Yeah, it can be, but you're right. It can be so much more. Um, yeah. So that line is called the, uh, the landmark Solaris line. Okay. that's And great. Um, we can post a PDF with this, uh, you know, with this link of this podcast, just, or a link to it, just so that we can provide. Yeah. Definitely. The, uh,
0: yeah I'll put that in the, in the show notes. You know I like talking about mistakes that people should have tried to avoid because you know they don't people don't know what they don't know so if we um, tell them what they should avoid that's a good thing for them so when it comes to roofing what are mistakes common mistakes that people should not make
1: definitely all right so I got some no brainers and I have some that have taken me a few years uh, to learn so uh, the the no brainer is uh, never roof over an existing roof. Uh, Okay.
0: That happens all the time. That seems to happen a lot.
1: It happens a lot because as we were describing, you know, an average roof can cost about $10,000 for average material. Um, You know, and that's a lot of money for an average homeowner for something that doesn't give them any benefit unless it fails. Right. Um, So with that being said, um, if you're going to invest that type of money, you know, why would you ever, save a few thousand dollars to roof over an existing roof that's already leaking um so what it doesn't allow you to do is inspect the sheathing and repair any uh, rotted wood or flashing issues that might be really the cause of what's uh you know what's leaking in your roof if you do have a leak um so that is the number one do not do is roof over an existing roof um and then replacing skylights at the same time. Um, so people that wanna just do the roof and wait for the skylights of, in a few more years, uh, you're gonna basically disturb the same space again. It'd be a lot more cost-effective to do your skylights at the same time as your roof. So something in Massachusetts that is offered, um, and still I think it's at the federal level uh, that we take advantage of is a solar rebate for solar venting skylights, Um, you can receive up to 30% of the invoiced um, bill from the contractor for the materials, including the skylight and the roofing associated with that particular unit. Mm. Um, So at the end of the day, you end up getting a much more expensive and top of the line skylight for the price of a fixed skylight because of this uh, federal rebate that you can receive. Um, as part of that installation,
0: I heard you can also include some of the framing, also if you're building yes, a new a
1: new room. Yes, any of the work that's included in the installation uh, can be in- included in the cost of materials associated with that rebate.
0: That's very tempting. Okay, yeah. yes. So next, Do you have another one. So
1: the next one is uh, is is seems like it'd be counterintuitive, but don't use too much ice and water. So ice and water is a sticky. Bituminous paper that is stuck to the roof sticky side down and it acts as an underlayment so that if moisture builds up underneath the shingle or if windblown rain gets up underneath the shingle and it becomes something that might penetrate into the house this is a barrier that prevents anything else from coming in a lot of people call it ice and water shield because we put it at the beginning of the roof to prevent ice dams from backing up into your house. Okay. Um, so the, the rule of thumb is three feet, which is too little. And the sales, the overzealous salesman will, will tell you full ice and water shield at no additional cost. Mm -hmm. Um, and really the, the, The best system is going to be dictated by your individual house, but like many things, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, So you don't want to cover your whole roof with ice and water shield because that would be akin to covering it with a big black plastic bag where it Mm. wouldn't breathe or let any air out of the roof. Okay. Um, But in the same sense, you want to protect it enough so that if you do have ice dams that could potentially back up underneath your shingles you're not going to have any water come into the house. Um, So we typically do between six and nine feet off of the front eave. And that'll be enough to carry you past the wall envelope plus another six or feet or so to protect you of where the ice dams might challenge the envelope of the house. Right. And then from there, you want to use something like a a synthetic breathable underlayment all the way up to the ridge vent, so that that area has the ability to breathe moisture out of it, rather than trapping it inside.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good advice.
1: Yep, and then the last one is just do your research, use a good contractor, somebody that comes with a lot of references, because you want to use somebody that really understands how your house works with other aspects of your home. So, for example, how does your attic ventilate? How does your roof pitch play into what type of roofing and underlayment you're going to install? And most importantly, one thing that a lot of people miss is where the roofing meets siding. So like on a dormer, uh, the sidewall there, uh, we'll strip that so that we can put a continuous layer of ice and water on the wall and the roof mm. before we lay the step flashing, the roofing, and the siding.
0: Okay. So you take care of that joint there by-
1: Yes. Yeah, the, this is the only time that you're going to be stripping the house back to when it was framed is when you strip the roofing off and when you strip the siding off. So when you're in the position to do that, when you're working in those areas, you want to make sure you're as thorough as possible so you don't have to spend the setup fees and costs to bring somebody back in there to just do a small area.
0: Right. Okay. Hey, so I have kind of a, a maybe it's a silly question for you, but what about when when I, I look around, my neighbors are getting their, or their roofs stripped or I happen to be on a job site when they're stripping the roof. Sometimes they just throw the shingles on, you know, adjacent to the thing. But what if there's nowhere to actually throw the old? how do they get the old shingles off if there's not really anywhere to?
1: There has to be a plan in place. but we we tend to use the right equipment to make sure that areas are not damaged past repair, mm-hmm. especially plantings close to the house. But it can become yeah. very challenging when, uh, we, we have customers that don't have lawns and they just have uh, big gardens and either, you know, crushed stone and rock gardens in the back that are very difficult to rake clean.
0: Yep. Yep. That's what I mean. Yeah. So, so,
1: so jobs like that take a lot more time, especially on the cleanup, but you have to set the expectation right with the customer that, you know, we're going to have to get in there. There's going to be some broken branches and things like that. and You know, when, at least when things are, you know, uh, discovered ahead of time like that, then there's no hurt feelings when it actually happens.
0: Yep. Okay. So you just have to prepare for,
1: for that. We've had to take shingles from one side of the roof, carry them up to the top and throw them off the other side because we can't land them on the other side where there's you know something like a boat or something like that.
0: Yep. Okay. So you're okay with doing that? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yep. Definitely a little tip to the roofing salesman out there, just make sure you go check the surrounding homes out before you give any of your numbers out because things like this can greatly affect the amount of time and effort it takes to do the roof.
0: Right, right. So I, I just want to ask you a really quick question because we're almost done here and I appreciate your time, but I wanted, I am kind of obsessed with green roofs and I'm just wondering how often people request those or how often you actually do that. Like, I don't see those around in our, in, in this town in Arlington, Massachusetts very often, or ever. And um, maybe I just can't see them because they're usually flat roofs. And if I were watching them, I, right. like I wouldn't see it. But um, you know, I, for example, share a garage with my neighbor and it's a big flat area between our houses. And it would be so much nicer to look at a big square of sedum up there. But I just don't know if people are really set up to do a lightweight green roof on residential properties.
1: Be really yeah, expensive I, I think it's a great idea. It's essentially you know it takes what we do and it goes a step further. Um, you basically putting a rubber roof membrane underneath and then building on top of that your green potting or your you know moss or whatever you're going to plant on top. Yeah. Um, we typically run into these about once a year um and it's it's always a uni- a unique scenario um. You have to have a roof that's flat, obviously, um, right. and then you have to build in a proper drainage system. But what you put on top of that, um, you know, is is really up to the client. And I think that it's a great way to capture space that you don't use for something that is, uh, you know, benefiting a carbon footprint as opposed to, you know, negating. And a lot of all roofing materials are, are carbon-based, right. uh, oil-based uh, materials. So... Yeah. Um, it would just you know, be
0: so pretty to look at. It'd be much prettier that, to look
1: at. The benefit that you get as a as an owner of it uh, from the aesthetics to, you know, even if you, if you made it a garden. Um, so I think it's a great idea. And do you find that clients are willing to go that extra mile at the end of a project? Or do you find mm-hmm. that...
0: Nope.
1: <laughs> it's the I don't. To convince somebody to put a garden in. <laughs>
0: yeah, I've food. never, I have never convinced anybody to put a green garden in. I, I try.
1: I know. I, I know. try because they're um, super cool. We're going to see that demand from the city drive out uh, hmm. towards us. So if people see that, oh, I have a flat roof and I could adopt what, you know, they're putting in in these, these new high efficiency green buildings, then when they come home from work, they're going to look at their garage and go, oh, hmm. And seen in a different way. So you'll yep. find that those trends might trickle out to the suburbs, but um, I don't yeah. think it's something we'll be doing a lot of in the next couple of years.
0: No, I don't think so. But I just like planting the seed, if you will, with everybody yes. about these green roofs. But well, I don't want to take any more of your time. i I hope that there's been some um, something to think about when it comes to choosing a new roof,
1: yeah, definitely. I think that um You know, from my perspective as a salesperson, you know, I'm going to adjust what I actually present to the clients and and show them a little bit more about, you know, what they could get from a performance standpoint out of their roof rather than, you know, is this what you want it to look like?
0: Right. Me too. I will also do that. So thank you, Walter. Pleasure. Uh
1: We'll chat soon.
0: Okay. Bye. So that's it for the episode for today. Well, I hope you found it interesting. I mean, to me, I only recently learned about these reflective shingles, and I know that they're a little bit more, so they might be um, cutting in too much to the budget, but and we put these roofs on our houses and they last 30 years or so, so it's it's actually um, maybe worth the investment, at least worth thinking about. When I find out about those rubber roofs, the um, the shingles that are made out of recycled tires, I will let you guys know about it. This has been a production of Demios Architects, which is my architecture firm. If you have a question about design or um, just how the renovation pro- process works, you could contact me there. The uh, link is in the show notes. We'll be linking to other things in the show notes as well. But more importantly, if you have uh, something you'd like to have covered on this podcast, please send me an email at thehousemaven@talkinghomerenovations.com. at talkinghomerenovations.com. I am going to be putting together a series of bonus episodes, learning from the mistakes of others. So um, the main episodes will be coming out every other week, but hopefully we'll be having bonus episodes sprinkled in there on the alternate weeks. So keep an eye out for that. And until next time, happy planning.